1090.7. You're listening to The Hip Hop Show. Now, we've got a special guest in the building today. Would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Mia. I work for Archetype Media as an account manager, so I look after clients like Beats by Dre, and I'm the managing editor of Acclaim, and I know this sounds like I do too much, but I'm also the label manager with an artist called Maribel for our record label, Crush Club Records. Oh, wow. And what other artists do you guys have on Crush Radio? Well, we haven't released anybody specifically, but we do have releases on the way, so you will know. So um, can you, like, further elaborate on what your role is in Archetype Media in, like, managing and editing with Mm -hmm. the associated brands and industries that you work in? So when I first got into publishing, I was a writer. Like, I would think of myself as a writer or someone that wanted to, like, create content. But my role as managing editor actually doesn't involve that much content. Like, if anything, it's overseeing activities that other staff are doing and looking for, like, branded content opportunities and, like, general opportunities in that space. So, yeah, it's an interesting one because I think the word editor makes it sound like I make a lot of content, so I'm constantly getting pitched to, but I don't necessarily create the content. I might work with our editor-in-chief to you know, create those opportunities, but it's not necessarily me. I do write as well, but yeah, I think there is a clear distinction between that. I mean, these days I'm mostly working as an account manager for our umbrella company, Archetype Media, and with that, I mostly work on branded content and I look after our clients. So like my biggest clients at the moment are Nike and Beats by Dre. So yeah, it's just, I guess, a very different kind of role um, to what I think people think I do. I actually do a lot of like administration, like a lot of yeah client-facing activities within the business. Mm. So what's like your everyday, like a nine to five in your everyday? Uh, I I mean, it's interesting because in this kind of workspace, it's not really a nine to five. It's not even a ten to six. It's like it's an always-on situation. Like my clients, like one of my clients, the moment like has me on text. So I'm like I'm just ready to go at any time I mean obviously you work within the operation hours of the business but if something needs to get done or you know something goes wrong like you just have to be ready to deal with that situation as it arises Um, and I guess that's the thing working with brands like you work for them and you know you can create like the kind of stuff that I do is like marketing and PR and like that kind of thing but at the end of the day that that's their brand so we're amplifying that message rather than you know we're, we're not the brand. Like, we have our own brand with a claim, but it's a very different kind of narrative, mm, I guess. Mm, with you have, like, your, like, the mission or the mission brief yeah. that you have to, like, meet. And then from there... Totally. Yeah, you just have to meet their needs as their client. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Sure. And it, it is a fine line because it's, a, it's an interesting place that we're in because, you know, we're also creative. So, you know, whereas your traditional agency might just do everything the client wants, like, we if we're creating content for our platforms, like we like to have input because we also have a brand to uphold. So yeah, it's a very interesting space. I think, you know, it's probably only developed in this space, you know, in the last say five years. When I first started working at Acclaim, um, I was in more of like a marketing events, sales kind of role. I mean, I still do all of that stuff, but it was a very different climate. You know, we were just starting to like enter the internet, social media. Um, Things were very traditional and like, advertising and the way that we would like deal with publicists and things like that it was the media had a lot more I guess power because social media wasn't so influential back then so it's a very different dynamic now um, which is probably worth exploring in this conversation Mm, because you know I'm still learning as well like you know as you know with social media 
the algorithm's always changing, so we're always guessing as well. Yeah, so um, with, um, with like, working with branded content, you see a lot of artists and big brands link up and create this stuff together, like Taku, Nike, mm-hmm. you know, Taku and Dropbox, Brockhampton and Converse recently. So why do you think it is important for like any insp- aspiring artists out there or any artists that are kind of just doing their thing right now to look at brands as a sort of way for promotion and marketing? I do get asked this a lot. Um, it is an interesting space because, I mean, my background was always like punk and hip-hop. And when I was much younger, I would never... Conce- like yeah, I'm, because that's considered yeah. selling out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think back then it was very much considered selling out and I would have thought of it as selling out. And if I, when I was still at Sin, if I had heard myself, like if you told me that I was going to be saying, like talking about brand and content and working with brands on air, like I wouldn't have believed you. Like it's just the way the world's changed. I've developed and I think also brands are more conscious of how to work with artists and artists are more conscious of how to work with brands. Like it's just a more natural, you know, narrative now and I think yeah in terms of working with brands one thing I would say to artists is it's really important for you to know where your boundaries are I think you have to define that because you don't have to work with brands a brand can throw money at you and like I was having this conversation earlier that everyone comes at a price like maybe you don't have a price tag maybe you never want to sell out or what you would consider like selling out is like you know, it's a state of mind. It's like, what is selling out to mm. you? You know, if you really love Nike, is it selling out if they co-sign you and you get to work on something really cool together and they can help create, like, you know, bring your vision to life through, I don't know, like, whatever the exchange yeah, is. Yeah, like, what's the difference in that and wearing a Nike shirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think it's really up to you to define that. Um, and, you know, whether you're approaching the brand or if they're approaching you, like, you should have you know, those boundaries set within your own, you know, framework as an artist or your own mentality. Because, like, I can, as a, let's say I was speaking from a brand's perspective, I can say, you know, I want this from you. Like, you need to be the one to push back because if you don't say no, like, you're going to get into a situation where you're exploiting your own values or, like, they're exploiting you and whatever the situation is. Like, I think everyone just needs to be clear before any kind of activity proceeds in my position it's like a, a lot of the time we'll be playing mediator between a brand and an artist or like the talent component so we can kind of like be that medium and negotiate those terms on your behalf but like it's not always going to work like that and a lot of brands do work directly to artists so yeah it's just a really a matter of negotiating that to a point where everybody feels comfortable because as an artist you need to feel comfortable with the output because you can't take it back, you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, yeah, like, I'd, I'd assume that, like, Brockhampton actually like wearing cons yeah. or whatever. Like, it's also one of those things, like, if you love Nike and then you start working with Addy, like, you're probably not going to be able to work with Nike because they're direct competitors. But, you know, these are just things you have to consider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, with, like, one thing that brand does, I think, personally, is it really helps with your image, like, public image. And, obviously, image and the way you kind of handle yourself in the public eye is really important when you're an artist or any sort of creative. And as someone in that more, like, managing label aspect, what do you think are the do's and don'ts of an aspiring artist who are trying to put themselves out there? Um, well, I was kind of talking about this earlier as well, and it, I've actually written some notes. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, one thing I did want to talk about, and I guess it's something I encounter a lot 
from my different roles within the industry is like how to link and build in a chill and professional manner and like whether that's with brands or whether that's with people like you just got to have I guess etiquette because it always does reflect on you as an artist um, and the way that you position yourself publicly or your team yeah. positions you you know so, what I mean so like I went to I've been to LA and yeah. I've been to Hollywood Boulevard and um, what some of the rappers will do is they'll just stand on the side <laughs> and just come up to you and yeah. be like, hey, listen to my mixtape. And they'll have like a CD playing and they'll throw it at you. <laughs> They'll be like, here, listen. And you listen to it. And they're like, that's $10. Oh, I've actually had this happen. And I've had a couple of instances. I was actually ironically talking about this earlier. But um, I've been in that situ- exact situation with, I haven't personally purchased a mixtape. <laughs> but I've been in a situation where my friends, two different times, actually, two different trips, have had that exact thing happen and you know they felt wow. bad and they bought the mixtape oh but like gosh. you know one thing is they did say that the music was fire but yeah. it's not so much about the music like it like for me personally i didn't even get to the point of listening to the music it was the approach that put me off for sure and that's yeah. that's sales yeah. that's just marketing it's always about exactly. the approach isn't it yeah well, I think that's the other thing. Like, as an artist, you've just got to remember that your interaction with somebody isn't a one-off exchange. It's not like sales where you're cold calling people and you either get the sale or you don't. You never see them or talk to them ever again. Like, as an artist, you're trying to build for, like, a long-term vision. So you've got to look at your situation and think, okay, this interaction, like, if I don't get what I want, how like how am I going to approach this? Do I keep pushing is that going to affect my relationship future releases or future requests? Like, just think about it not so, like, in such a reactive way. I think yeah. it is really important to, like, ask yourself, what does success look like? What is my bigger picture here? Like, what does the next six months look like? What does the next 12 months look like? What does the next 10 years look like if you're in it for real? Like, these are things that will come back to haunt you. Mm. Like, you will be surprised like how much people remember things especially if it was a negative experience so, like you've just got to humanize your approach towards people in the industry you know just be professional i think that's really important um and i think when you want something it's just like you know when you're a kid and you want a toy you throw a tantrum it's like we're all out we're all adults now like being professional like if someone says no like how do you approach that like don't be problematic first of all um you know sweating them and like harassing them is not going to get what you get you what you want either so like you've just got to find you know a way to be comfortable with having people say no yeah for sure is there like um like now that we have social media you know we're a new age of technology is mm-hmm. there like a different type of etiquette now that people are approaching you guys like do i hit you up on facebook <laughs> I actually have a list of do's and don'ts, so maybe I'll oh, go please, straight to the don't do, list. Do. <laughs> I, I tried to cut it down to five, and this is feedback from like myself and people I work with or have worked with or people I know in the industry. Like, It's just a common thread that I hear from people when they're... Because like, people talk. You've just got to remember, especially in Australia, it's such a small industry. Like People talk. So it's more like if you've been, you know, hard to deal with or... You've been harassing them, like, so they're going to talk about it to someone and that someone's going to remember that the next time you try to hit them up, you know? Like, these are just things you've just got to be conscious of and I guess that's about having, like, you know, your own personal PR. But, um, yeah, so, one, don't call. Like, we're in this... <laughs> like, just don't. Just don't call. Like, I know, like, mobile, landline, whatever, like, it's just... 
no one likes I mean even think about yourself like how I don't know I'm asking you guys do you speak what, how often I do you speak I don't talk on the phone, on the phone ever no no okay. as in like don't call like don't call and try and pitch like an idea don't call and pitch definitely not okay. especially if you don't know them yeah you know like I even get pref- like whether it's like an artist that's emerging or someone that's established or if it's a highly professional publicist or whatever like don't call me just to pitch me something that you know like it just I mean, I personally, I don't really use the phone. For sure. I don't no, even I answer calls from my mom. You know yeah, what I mean? No, like, for sure. it's just text me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm always like, if the phone rings out and I don't pick it up, they'll text me if it's important. So I kind of want to screen those calls. Like, if you message me first and then you call, like, you, so many times people will call me to follow up or call someone in my surroundings or someone that I know, um, but they've more than likely seen your email. You know, and like, it's just. Yeah. Is it worth calling because it's probably not going... Like, you, what are you going to do when you get on the phone? Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, have you heard my mixtape yet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, what's the next step from there? Like, are they actually going to write about it? Like, are you going to guilt trip them enough on that interaction for them to, you know, hang up, go on their computer, write the thing that you want them to write or do the thing you want them to do? Like, it's just not going to work like that. Mm. So just before you pick up the phone... Yeah. Think about what you're trying to actually <laughs> achieve. You know what I mean? Is that a frequent thing? Is it a very it's, Like, it's a daily thing. Wow. It's a daily thing. And I mean, I like, I can't emphasize that enough. Like, I think when you're an artist, and I've been on that side, like, I've done publicity as well. Like, I've been, like, I've been, you know, I started out on sin. I did internships. Like, I've been a publicist. Like, I know how it feels when you desperately need to get results or you really want to do something right for your artist, but, like, you know, no one's baiting on it and you just get desperate. And I know that feeling, but at the same time, like, that desperation's not going to, mm. you know, you can't force people to do things, especially if they're not feeling it. Like, it's, yeah, don't call. <laughs> don't call because no one, no, we're talking about it right now. Like, no one here even talks on the phone. Sure. Like, just, yeah. you know, you've got to humanise it. Like, these are real people too. Yeah. Uh, two, <laughs> don't DM on personal pages or socials, uh-huh. especially after hours. Like, after work hours, if you're in their DMs, like, when I finish work, I'm probably not actually logged off from work but the last thing I ever want and I like I'm not speaking for everybody but I'm probably speaking for everyone like is to look at your DMs where you have personal interactions with friends or whatever and it's like some publicists or artists that like desperately need you to listen to that mixtape you know it's like it's not like cannot wait till tomorrow and does it deserve the DM Mm. because again especially if you're not like if you're not Facebook friends it's more than likely that it's going to go to the weird out box. Yeah, the other requests. Yeah, other. That place is really strange. Oh, there's some weird stuff yeah. in there. You don't want to talk about what goes down in the other DM. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the yeah, dark don't side do it. Of the moon. Yeah, don't do it. Don't DM. And especially not after hours. Like, just wait. Um, three. This is an interesting one, but like, I've had this happen numerous times. I actually stopped using Twitter because it was just like. I need to get off, get out of this space. But like, don't publicly at them to like kind of guilt trip them or like to be like, hey, did you check my mixtape or did you yeah. see my email? You know, like Sounds it's awkward. just thirsty. It's yeah, just weird. Sure. Like I feel uncomfortable. I feel like everyone's watching and judging me and being like, wow, she doesn't write back. Like that's <laughs> rude. You know, like you've shamed, you basically name and shame sure. me or whoever it is that you're naming and shaming. Like if you really need to, like. I would prefer the DM than the public shame. Mm. So that one's a no-no. Don't yeah. do it. Like, yeah. shout people out, give them positive feedback, all of that stuff. But to guilt trip someone publicly like that is just, it's just, 
Like, it's not good etiquette. Um, okay, so I already said don't do anything after hours, except email. Um, and if they don't read the email, then they don't read the email. So you can't force them. But, like, people always want to take it back to email, especially because they want a paper trail. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to protect yourself. You are an employee, usually of another bigger business. Like, if some weird stuff goes down in the DM and then, like, you put the company at risk or, like, you, they've even them to you, like, they've said something problematic to you, like, you want a paper trail. So, yeah, be professional. And then my last point was don't follow up on the same day ever. It's just like you got to give it breathing room. They probably have heaps of emails to check through or they're not interested or whatever it is. Like, they just need some time to digest. Just mm. wait. Sounds like my dating life. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but- a, no, that's, um, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting that, like, I mean, you know, local artists, they're trying to get their music out. Yeah. What's the best way that, like, an artist can, you know, approach it? Well, just for my other list, um, just some quick ones before you even get to the do's. Like, I think it's really important for you to build as an artist. Like, that really, I always say that, like, it is about the content. For sure. Like, if you're a musician, your content is your music. Like, if you can make the best possible music, that's the first step. Especially in, like, the internet culture of, yeah. like, rap. Um, there's, like, there's groups out there that don't even prioritise, exactly. like, publicising themselves anymore. Like, if you look at Death Grips, there's not one Death Grips mm. interview on the internet. Yeah. And they've all been deleted. Like, do you think Mystique is a type of promotion? I think so. Like, you know, you look at someone like Frank Ocean. Yeah, mm. exactly. Like, people sure. are just hanging, waiting for him to do anything. But do you yeah. think that's something aspiring artists should do, or should you establish a I figure? Uh, it's like a little bit different because it depends what you mean by mistake. If we're talking about like masked artists, like I know there was that SoundCloud producer phase of like, hey, I'm wearing a yeah, mask like, and like you don't you know who I am, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know some superhero yeah. vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like that was a thing. And yeah. Like if you're talking about that, like that just feels calculated now, just because it's played out. Yeah. But if you're talking about just like. I think it's more just, like, the keeping your head down and doing your thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. linking a building in your own sense. Like, I think it's really important to link and build with your community, like, finding peers. That is so important because, you know, you look at the Brockhamptons. Like, they're a crew and they can grow and rise together. Like, even yeah. thinking about We mm. Did It and people like that. Like, 88 Rising, they've all collaborated and come together so they can make a movement. Mm. And, like, that in itself, like, I'm... Like attracted to that power and numbers. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Like you, that's how people discover you because you've made some noise. You know, you look at people like even like little pump and stuff. Like they, <laughs> they don't need the media, but the media are so intrigued by them that it's actually worked to their advantage just doing their own thing. Um, so yeah, like again, dot points. Find your tribe is pretty much what I'm saying. Like whether that's people within your community or like finding the right manager, publicist you know, whatever it might be, like finding the right people rather than just like making really quick decisions. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of artists think that if they get a publicist or get a manager that or a label, like that's just going to change their life overnight. But like, you know, it, you have to have a product. There's like um groups like Brockhampton, like mm. they found their tribe in the sense of like forums, like Kanye to yeah. that and stuff. Um, is there a place you think with forums currently... You know, yeah, decaying. definitely. Is there a place you think people should go to find others? Or, I mean, I always think it's really important to support your local community. Like, yeah, that's what this yeah, is definitely. doing right now. Like, what Sin has been, and why I'm so about Sin as well, is, like, it supports the local community. And, you know, 
Australia is so, like, you, if you really think about it from territory's perspective, like, we're so far away mm. from the rest of the world. Like, nobody knows what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, like, there are, like, moments that you can count that, like, let's say bigger territories such as the United States or the UK or Europe or Asia, like, there are moments that they catch on to, but generally speaking, they don't know what's going on here. So, like, we almost need to band together as a community of Australians or, you know, of local Melbourne artists to put the, like, territory on the map. You know, like, there's not really enough space, especially in Australia, to be really going head-to-head against each other because Mm. there's just not enough people to listen. So I think it's really important to, like, find your tribe in that sense as well. You know, like, play shows together, like, make people... Let's just remember where we, like, at this point in life, like, people can watch Boiler Room or they can just, like, live stream. Like, they don't even have to leave their bedroom to appreciate live music. So, like, go. I'm telling myself this as well. Like, get out of the house. Like, you make people want to leave their house and come and see you and your friends play shows. Like, that's really important. And Mm. those people, like, I think it does come down to, like, authenticity as well. Like, I want to know that you're for real. Like, I want to know that, like, there's actually movement happening around you. It's not like you can get a premiere on that fader because you paid the right publicist to get that yes, premiere for yeah. you. Okay. But like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the next big thing. Mm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think there is. Like, I used to think that as well. Like, I would read as a consumer. Like, take that premiere, which I don't think that premieres really do that much. But that's another talking point. Like, you know, and I would think, oh wow, this artist is going to be the next big thing. But like that's just one moment like where's the follow-through so yeah I guess the next point that I had was create content like if you create content again music or even just like social media content like whatever for your own community community doesn't just mean real life it also means social media like build your own follow account you know build your and not just like numbers I'm talking like real people that will like come to your shows real people that would want to come to your shows if they were in the right place like people that buy your merch buy your like records you know whatever like those are the people that are going to be there from like now while you're like just getting started to like when you're like playing at stadiums you know like those are the people that count so I think even when you look at social media and I could go on with this but like it's about engagement more than just like a a a number like people you can have like 10,000 followers and get five likes like you want you know, 1,000 followers and 100 likes, like, that's a more engaged community and that's what you should be trying to aspire to as an artist. I think there is a perception that if you get the cosign, that that makes, like, it, you know, that's going to make you, but, like, your content and yours and your community is what's going to make you. And, like, people will follow, you know, people will find you. But that that really is important because, yeah, it is about discovery as well. Mm. Yeah. And um, just to wrap up, because um, we've kept you all the time, I was supposed to. Could listen to you all day. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously things artists need to do to handle themselves properly in the limelight. But with the internet age, where kind of like the grassroots rise is a thing again, mm-hmm. just with a HTTP in front of it, what do you think brands should do to appeal to artists like, and just to the public in general? Like, like modernise. Yeah, I think brands are in an interesting space because we're getting to a point now where you've just got to remember that with anything, when I'm talking about media, when I'm talking about brands, like marketing in general, there was the old world and there's... Like, I would think of it like pre-internet and post-internet. Yeah. You know, like, 
the model has changed, the distribution method has changed. Like you've got now instead of business to business or business to consumer, you've got consumer to consumer, you've got business to, you know, like the everyone's everywhere. You mm. can, as an artist, talk directly to your audience. You don't need a record label to do that. You don't need a publishing, like you don't need a publisher to communicate for you. Like you can talk directly through, like through your social channels. So like that narrative has changed. So yeah, I think understanding that that, is actually a shift is the first step. Like I'm in a position where like I'm in that middle ground where like I knew life before the internet and I know life and I got onto the internet really early, but like I've basically been brought up with it. But there are a lot of people that are like not even that much older than me that miss that and they still think in a very traditional sense um, and still think that like, you know, really basic forms of marketing work and that, you know, brands are the authority. I, I think, you know, those people will start to fade out. And younger people like us, and not even necessarily younger, but more open-minded people that know that there is a shift, will start to come into senior positions or senior, like, and be able to support that kind of like, you know, collaborative, um, you know, approach. So, you know, looking at these relationships between like artists and brands, so we're talking about Tyler and um, Brockhampton and Converse, like yeah. that relationship there, like that just feels authentic to me. And I think it's authentic because it's a, it's very much collaborative. It's not a dictatorship. I think, yeah, yeah. you know, like back in the day, if you're thinking just straight up advertising, and this is probably important to note, yeah. like the difference between brand and content and advertising, like advertising is the brand puts you in yeah. whatever they want. Yeah. And it's like a predetermined like Britney message. Spears and Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is a Pepsi ad and they just thrown in an influencer or a celebrity. Yeah. Whereas now we're in a position where artist and brand are like coming up with creole agency, whoever's involved is, are coming up with a, you know, a mutually beneficial kind of collaboration. So looking at golf Lafleur and Tyler and mm. like the whole converse thing, like, they gave him so they let him change the star. Like that says so much about how yeah. much they you know, they believe yeah. in Tyler. It's like they let you change the logo. Like that is such a huge thing. And I'm sure that like, you know, as a consumer, maybe you're not thinking about that, but like from someone that I've worn cons for so long and like I've just never ever in the history like I've just never seen that happen. Yeah. Um so like that's how much trust there is in him as a tastemaker. So I think it's important for brands to understand that these artists are keeping the brands relevant. Mm. Like, I think there was the narrative, like, the mentality of, you know, a brand will make me seem more important, but, like, it can actually work in the opposite way as well. Like, more recently, you know, there's a new Nike product dropping and then Drake wore it once. Like, that was all that needed to happen. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Drake wore it. Now that, like, that shoe's going to sell out. That's yeah. just what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I think it... it, it it's changing, it's happening, and, like, you know, people in this room at one point, um, whether you're artists or you're in the industry, like, you guys are going to be in a position of power, and, it, and if you keep this open-minded thinking and take, like, you know, your values into into the future, I think, <laughs> I think yeah, we're going to be in a good place, so let's just wait on it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for thank joining you us so much, today, Mia. Mia. Thanks um, for having me. Could listen to you talk for hours. <laughs> so much <laughs> info. Same. <laughs> <laughs>